Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I am Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are here to talk about Purdue's victory over Wright State yesterday uh, to look ahead to the Purdue versus North Carolina game coming up this weekend. And after the break, we are going to take a look at Purdue participating in the Wildcat Classic against Northwestern taking place at Wrigley Field this Saturday. Going to make our predictions and put it all on the line for you once again this week. Uh, before we get started, though, Casey, I know it's your favorite thing in the world. I've got a question for you. I love it so much. Let's go. Okay. I know the answer to this, but it's a setup for a further thing, and the viewers don't know the answer, so uh, the listeners, not viewers, we're a, we're in an audio format. Uh, I have so viewers I ask, right now. So i gotta I got to ask the question, what did you think of the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? Oh, I haven't seen it. Exactly. I knew <laughs> you were going to say that. And the reason is you don't watch movie trailers. Is that right? I don't watch movie trailers beforehand. I, what does that I, mean? I love movie trailers. I think they are a separate category of cinema. I think there's out, they're outstanding. They're some of the more inspiring things that I watch. I like to turn a couple on that I know are good, and it always kind of gets me in the rhythm to write. But okay. I don't want to know anything about the story that I'm already invested in beforehand. Okay, so this leads me to more questions. Mm-hmm. One, what movie trailers do you put on if you're trying to get inspired? I mean, any of the Marvel ones are great. Yeah, uh, they do a pretty good job. Um, honestly, for the last you know five ten years, it's mostly Marvel. Yeah, they do make a good trailer. They do make a yeah. good trailer. I, I was a big fan of WWE as a kid, and whenever they had the little montages before a big like pay per view match, oh yeah, those. Yeah, same those concept. are good. good yeah, yeah, music, same thing. Guts, that's all I need. So, so then my second question from that: so you would then like. I assume you're going to see Spider-Man No Way Home at some point because you're a, you're a Marvel fan. It's a Marvel movie. You're eventually going to watch it, correct? Oh, yeah. So then would you just like when you get home or a day later or a week later be like, I want to watch the trailer and see what was in there? Ideally, 
it'll probably happen to where I'll scroll on something in the trailer and like watch just enough of it where I'm like, I guess I'll watch this. Ideally, I wait until after and I'll watch watch a trailer to kind of get me pumped up for the second viewing. Okay. All right. See, we talk about this in the group chat, and that's why I wanted to bring it up, because I find it so fascinating, because Mm -hmm. I freaking love movie trailers. Like, I've watched the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer probably like six times already, and it came out last night at 8.30 p.m. So So do you, you like, watch it and then think, oh, I think this is going to happen? You have have a comic book lore, like, knowledge behind you. I really don't. Yeah. So is that what you're like, you're watching scenes you're like, ooh, I bet that's that? Yeah, I mean, that's, at least with Marvel movies, that's what I do because, you know, I, I mean, I w- grew up reading comics. Uh, I, you know, my, my dad was a comic book reader. He was always reading DC and he got all my brothers and I into comics. We went to our local comic shop and we all had like a comic that we followed. And for me, it was the Fantastic Four. And so I, that was really what I read when I was younger. And then I got Marvel Unlimited, which is their online subscription where you can get basically every comic uh, each week. And you're now Mm -hmm. three months, three months behind of when they actually uh, publish in real time. And so, I mean, I've I I think I've read the last like 20 years of Spider-Man and the first like 40 years of Spider-Man. So there's like a Mm -hmm. there's like a three year period in the middle that I'm still reading to catch up on. But um, so. Yeah, I've I've read quite a few comics these last few years. So does it, it takes away from my fun if I have something I think is going to happen because then I'm rooting for that to happen. If that makes sense in any way. Yeah, it does. It does. So like, and and most of the time I'm going to be wrong anyway. So then it's just like, so just I, I don't want to know anything about it. I want to be as surprised as possible. I, I listen to a lot of geek podcasts and they always get into stuff and like anytime they they tell me something I've never heard of in the story and then I'm like, oh. Well, that would have been more cool to find out in the movie. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to have the – some of the things mean more because you have some background, but it's a tough little line to follow. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I don't think I have the willpower to not watch movie trailers as they come out because, like I said, I just – I love them. I'll watch them numerous times, and it's just – it gets me hyped for the movie itself. And the way Marvel does a lot of their trailers too, they put in things that aren't actually in the movie or they're, they'll manipulate scenes, uh, take things out of scenes that are actually there, put things in that aren't. So you never really know what's going to be in the movie with, with a Marvel trailer. So uh, it, it's, it adds an element of excitement, even if what they show you is not really what's going to happen in the movie. Yeah. Maybe so I'll watch it. I, you know, I don't want to change your mind. I don't want to uh, tempt you into doing something that you don't want to do. So eh, uh, I, I will just fun. say, I will just say I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I've, like I said, I've watched it like six or seven times. So, all right, there we go. That's out of the way. Now let's talk about the drubbing that Purdue put on the Wright State Raiders last night. Uh, to- final score, 96 to 52. Wright State could only muster 17 points in the first half. Um, Purdue managed 51, so Purdue needed to score all of two points in the second half to surpass the total that Wright State would have the entire game. Uh, Obviously, that did not take long. So, Casey, I know we talked in the group chat about uh, what we thought of the game, but one thing that stood out to me that you mentioned is is Jaden Ivey had another bad game, and Purdue still won a game by 44 points. So uh, I wondered if you could expand on what you thought of Jaden Ivey's game and what that means for Purdue, that they are playing so well without him playing well. I think he was pretty sloppy. Uh, We've seen it a few times where he's tried to get into some dribble moves, break down his defender, and he just dribbles it out of bounds. That's been a consistent problem this early in the season. Uh, 
in general, his shot wasn't falling. You know, he missed all three of his three-point attempts. But it, it was also a game going into it, you know, if you paid attention to my Twitter at all before the game or in the group chat. As everyone should pay attention to your Twitter. Exactly. There's a lot of in, lot of insightful stuff lot, on there. A lot of insight. A lot of bullshit, too. But the well, yeah, there. but I mean, that's what Twitter's for. So I... I posted a little screen grab of Wright State's last game, and they gave up like 70% shooting inside the arc to whatever team they played before. And you look at that combined with, you know, their tallest player is 6'9". Everyone else is right around the 6'7 range in the post. You just knew this was going to be a game where our big boys ate and Trevor oh, and they ate. 20 points. Edie had 18 combined for 38. They went 16 of 22 from the field. And I, I mean, 20, did, 16 of 23. I have it inside the arc. You're you're counting one oh, of okay. Trey's yes. three point. Yes, misses. I'm counting his three point shot. So just inside the arc, there was 16 of 22, which is what you know if you watch Wright State at all. Yeah, they won the Horizon League. Whoopee! It's one of the worst <laughs> conferences in the country, and this team, you know, played like it did. They they weren't good. I I do think I, I like Ivy's defense this year, and I like his playmaking. Those have both been naturally just better. So I'm not worried about the scoring. The scoring's going to come. I think the tougher a game is, the more we're going to need him and the more we go to him. Yeah. But it's a sign of maturity that, you know, he took three threes. That's fine. Take open shots. He's he's going to be hot and cold, but I want him taking those shots. He only took five shots inside. Didn't finish great. Drew some fouls, though, got to the foul line. And more importantly, he's not pressing to take 15 to 20 shots. He doesn't have to go out there and be the best player every night. He's shown that. He had a really nice pass when he drove in, rose up, and then just out of nowhere flung a Dak Prescott just out <laughs> route to the corner to find uh, Newman for, for a three. Uh, things like that are very encouraging because we have enough stars all over the floor. We want our best matchups to score. Edie and Trey need to shoot a lot this year, and he's been very mature in finding them, letting them get set up, and it's just encouraging that we've we haven't got great Ivy and we are blowing teams out. Yeah, and I mean, the, the level of competition obviously gets much harder in our next game, but you still love to see when your star player doesn't have a great game and you're winning games by 30, 40 points. And Purdue has scored over 90 points in all three of their games this season, which if you watched the game uh, yesterday, you heard the announcer said, you know, this is the first time that that has happened in the Matt Painter era so Purdue has not scored 30, 90 points in three straight games the entire time Matt Painter's been at Purdue. And I think that speaks to just the, the quality of the of the uh, offensive production we're getting out of basically everyone on this team and the fact that everyone can step up in any given game. Um, the only starter actually who had zero points was Isaiah Thompson. He was 0, 0 for 3 from the floor, still contributed three assists, no turnovers. Um, but obviously you, you don't love to see a starter with no points. But for me – um, you guys know if you listen to the podcast, I am an Ethan Morton fan, uh, and I thought he just played great uh, this this past game against Wright State. His defense was great. He was deflecting balls everywhere, using his length, uh, using – you know, he's not the quickest player on the floor. He's not the most athletic player on the floor, but I think he found himself in a good position a lot of times to go out and make the, the opposing offense uncomfortable. Um, only wound up with three points, but he had two blocks, which you don't really expect out of him. 
uh, a steal, two assists, and three rebounds to go with zero turnovers. And I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to going to score a, a bunch of points for Purdue this season. It's not something that's necessary for him. It's not a role he needs to come into. But that kind of box score where he gets you know rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, no turnovers. That's what I'm looking for for him. I want him to come in, bring some energy, and see if he can um, make the make the other team uncomfortable on offense. So that's what I'm hoping to see from him. Um, Brandon Newman also stood out to me as a guy who had a really great game, five of seven from deep. And if you can have a guy come in off the bench and shoot five of seven from deep, it just shows you how good, uh, the rest of the team is. And I, I wanted to ask you one more thing. I think it was, um, Dave Bangert from, uh, formerly of the JNC who mentioned on Twitter that who would you take in a game, the Purdue starting five or the Purdue first off the bench, first five off the bench, if you include Mason Gillis as coming off the bench? And I know you and him had a little back and forth, and I wondered uh, where you wound up on that, if you think the Purdue starting five is better or the five off the bench. I believe it was me and Kyle Charter. Was it? I thought it was Dave. I believe it was. Well, either way. <laughs> um, sorry, the question again? Uh, do you think, you know, Purdue basically has 10 guys, right. uh, maybe 11, who you can, you know, you could really throw any of them in the starting lineup. However, right now, Purdue has a starting lineup of Caleb First, Zach Eady, Jaden Ivey, Isaiah Thompson, and Sasha Stefanovic. Uh, do you think that starting five uh, or a starting five of Trevion Williams, Brandon Newman, Ethan Morton, Eric Hunter Jr., and uh, Mason Gillis when he returns, which do you think uh, would win in a game of five on five? I mean, I definitely think it's the starters. What we've seen in all the stats with interest squad is pretty much Edie outplays Trey one-on-one, which makes sense because a lot of what Edie does size-wise, he, he doesn't have to buy into Trey's fakes or anything. He can just stand there and be tall. And uh, Jay Nivey's on one side of the court. He's not on the other. But I think it'd be close. Uh, I think Newman would give Sasha a whole lot of trouble. Um, I think Thompson is the one person out of those 10 that can picked on on defense and Eric, Eric Hunter brings a nice, probably our best defensive perimeter perimeter player lined up with Newman. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it'd be a good matchup. I think the, the second place team would, uh, or the backup squad would want to make it as dirty and grinded and slow as possible. And I think the starters would want to run and get out there take advantage of Ivy a little bit. I, I definitely think it would be somewhere between a four and seven point game. I, and I mean, that's just incredible. Uh, the depth, you know, that you could even entertain the idea that a second starting five versus the 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 actual regular starters could be a close game. Um, and I did look up on Twitter, and you are correct. It was Kyle Charters you were having a back and forth with. Mm-hmm. So I apologize to Kyle Charters. I'm sure he's a listener. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's just crazy the depth of this team. Uh, we had three players score uh, – I'm sorry, can finish a double-double – uh, last night, Caleb first, 14 and 11, uh, Zach Eady, 18 and 12, and Trevion Williams, 20 and 13. And uh, we should note, Trevion Williams scored his 1,000th point as a Boilermaker on last a travel? night. On a what? On a travel? It looked like a travel to me. Oh, I, I don't, I don't Post remember. Move, I don't think so. pivot, step into. He did, dunk. it was on a dunk. I, I know that. But I don't think, I mean, it didn't look like a travel to me, but I'd have to go back and watch it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, he would have got there anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was by far his best uh, game of the night. I, I don't think there's much to glean from Wright State. You no. Know? But but I think looking forward, you know, we have this game against uh, North Carolina. That's right. Part of the, what is it, tip-off classic or something? Yeah, at the Mohegan Sun. At the Mohegan. So 
what I find as we go into this this game against North Carolina, our offense is absolutely buzzing. And it's not it's not just Ivy, it's not just our big guys inside. I was so incredibly impressed by the motion that our offense I just retweeted a tweet of Fran Fraschillo, I think, who posted how well our motion offense starting with that weave up top and then just a whole bunch of off ball shooters moving in and out. And there there's something that happens when you study sharpshooters under Pater's system in the motion offense somewhere between that second and third year. It just clicks. They're no longer out there thinking where they have to be. They just react and know, and it creates so much just this beautiful motion and organic open space for them. And I thought this is the best our offense has looked scheme wise. We had two guys on each side, just rolling in and out of screens, letting our big guys get guys open. Uh, Newman has been on fire, five, three pointers. Sasha is making these coming straight up, getting a screen from Edie left foot still in front of him as he turns around and shoots on the move. And he's hitting him smoothly. That is work that you put in on the offseason, and the body control and balance of someone like that is just incredible. And it makes this motion offense almost impossible to defend. We saw how good we were when we had two sharpshooters, Ryan Klein, Carson Edwards made that offense go. We should have made a final four with them. Uh, made it yeah. to the elite eight. We've got three of those guys. Left. Who are you? Who are you including in those three? Just so we're all clear. Uh, Sasha Newman and I. I guess I. I'm a little hesitant to say Isaiah Thompson because he doesn't. I, I wondered somewhere between Isaiah Thompson and I. But Thompson is a threat to shoot. He shot the ball yes. well the first two. Doesn't move and shoot like they do, but he is a shooter. And I would argue that Ivy's ability to catch in the perimeter and attack right away does the same thing for you, but maybe even more dangerous because he's playing with two others. The one thing okay. we haven't really had is those two shooters and someone else who's the best player with the ball in their hands. And this year, you could argue that we have two sharpshooters surrounded by our three best players with the ball in there, and Trey, Edie, and that makes this offense impossible to defend. We're number two in Kim Palm right now, offensive efficiency, and we're going into a North Carolina team who is 109th best team. Yeah, they they have not looked good. I mean, they've they've only played 3 games. They are currently ranked, I believe, number 18 in the nation, but they only beat Brown by 7 and they beat Charleston. Granted it was at Charleston, but Gorgeous still. City. If I could set up a road game, I would go to Okay. Good to know. Uh, I'll make sure to check in with you if I'm ever uh, director of basketball operations somewhere. Well, I mean, we we had the off-season tournament there a couple years ago, the Elite 8 year. Oh, yes. In Charleston. That was a lovely time. I went down there, had a beautiful week. Amazing crab. Oh, well, if you're going to get crab, you got to come to Maryland. Uh, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, but you guys don't have she crab soup. I don't even know what that is. Exactly. We have Maryland crab soup, two different varieties. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm ready for this challenge. Okay. All right. Well, I, just so I can finish my thought, they only beat Charleston at Charleston by 11. So, uh, they beat Brown by seven and Charleston by 11. So it's not like these are powerhouse teams. Um, and, and what did you say their def- North Carolina's defense was ranked in the country right now through three? 109th. Not great. Not, not great. Granted, you know, granted there are over 300 uh, D1 basketball programs, but you would hope if you're ranked 18th that your defense is going to be a bit better than that. Especially when they, they took on, yeah, all three of those schools are north of uh, 200 ranking in Ken Palm. So those are not... Those are not world beaters they played. No, no. And the the third team they have played is Loyola, Maryland. Yeah. So they're not forcing turnovers at all. They're one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, teams are turning it over 11.3% of the time against them. That, that's that's just dribbling it off your foot once, you know, 10 possessions. <laughs> uh, 
That's not forcing turnovers. They give up a lot of offensive rebounds, uh, giving up almost 20%. Uh, us as a team, 46.5% of our missed shots were rebounding. Oh, wow. We have two of the uh, best five offensive rebounders in the country, if I remember correctly. And we are a team that is shooting efficiently outside, inside. We're still over 60% shooting as a team inside the arc. That is, that's just outrageous. Yeah. So if advanced metrics mean anything, this is a good matchup for Purdue. It's going to be a very good test. Yeah, I mean, let's hope. And before I jump off North Carolina, uh, my wife would be upset if I did not mention Loyola, Maryland, where she got her master's degree. So uh, she is a Boilermaker, but also, I guess, a Greyhound. Uh, So when she listens to this, she'll be glad I mentioned that, I'm sure. So this game, obviously, is going to Hey, she listens. She does. Yeah. What a loving, yeah. what a lovingly. I know, you know, we've got a great relationship here. I make a podcast. I force her to listen to it. It's a real, it's a real <laughs> good, it's a real good dynamic we have. Honey, it's only an hour, 40 minutes this week. That's right. Strap in. Um, so this game is going to be basically immediately following the Northwestern game. Northwestern versus Purdue is on Saturday at noon. And this Purdue North Carolina game is at four. So Basically, if you're a Purdue fan, you got to get everything done in the morning, and then you're going to basically tuck in at noon. You're going to have both of your meals in front of the TV, and uh, you're going to have hopefully a great evening with Purdue getting their seventh win in football and then their first win over a ranked opponent in basketball. So Did, it should be it should be a pretty great uh, few hours there for Purdue fans. Didn't we have people in our group chat that wanted a 3 o'clock game? That makes I no sense. I think we did, yeah. yeah. They're going to be in Chicago. Yes, they are going to be in Chicago. Uh, Travis and Kyle both heading to Chicago uh, to Wrigley to watch this Purdue Northwestern game. How do you manage that? Because if you go there, the timing in theory could work that you could find a bar semi-close right after the game and maybe miss just a little bit. But then you're there for another two hours after a cold game out there. There's no way you get back home. If no, you make that choice, right? no, you've got to, you know, you've got to go to a bar. You, you've got to have a plan to say, as soon as this game is over, I'm going to this bar, like right down the road. I mean, you, if you want to watch the entirety of the game, you've got to get somewhere right away. But then how do you get home afterward? You, I mean, that's your whole day. You know, you're, you're staying at the bar for the basketball game. You're in a hotel. Probably, prob- no, you're probably going to eat dinner at the bar that right. way if you're drinking during the ge- football game and the basketball game you get a little time to sober up there get a little food in you and then you're just going to take the drive home from chicago hopefully the Ooh. all the game day traffic will have you know dissipated by then and then you just hop on the highway and head back bless their sweet wife yeah yeah i'm not i'm not sure who all is going i i, I don't know if travis is taking uh, his wife and his son or if it's just his wife or or what the deal is there but or and i'm not sure if kyle's taking his wife either i don't know who's going with them but uh it's going to be a long day for them i'm sure so i don't like football games to go to why i just don't long? think they're enjoyable the weather's awful they're long um there's a lot of downtime yes you gotta go with you gotta go with people who you enjoy spending time with and it's the most naturally, like, when people stand, when they don't, none of it really makes sense. I'm a guy who got kicked out of a pretty football game for standing the whole time. Yes, yes. Well, so. w- when I was at the Michigan State game, as I said uh, last week, we were in the very top row. That's where my family seats are. So we were standing the whole game, and, and no one's going to bother us because there's no one behind us. So uh, that I enjoy, and it's always great for me to to spend time with my family since I live in Maryland, and, and all of them basically live in Illinois and Indiana. So it was great to, to spend time with them. So there was no problem there for me. Uh, but I understand. I, I mean, I get it. You know, a football game can be a long ordeal, and – Often the weather is very bad, especially if you're watching it in, in Indiana. 
You know, I think there's just there's kind of a reset that happens after every big the biggest play, you know, scoring or whatever. Yeah. So it kind of there's no frenzy that you get like with basketball where, you know, you can have a five minute stretch where your team is just wrecking the world and just somehow continues to get louder. Yeah, it's just better. Yeah, and see, I, mean, I don't like to be cold. <laughs> don't like to be cold. You got to toughen up. You got to toughen up. Do so, I, though? Yes, you do. Or do I, mean, I just you lived, watch football on my... You lived in Indiana for how long and you can't stand being out in the cold for a few hours? Yes. Come on. That's how you, I know I can't. You moved to the you moved to the East Coast exactly. and you soft. It's pathetic. I, I moved to the East Coast so I wouldn't have to do that. I'm just saying, you know... As someone, you grew up in Lafayette, right? I mean, you got to be tougher than that. I don't. Well, y'all, viewers, y'all just listen, suffering it, for listeners, no reason. Listeners, we're gonna put a we're gonna put a poll up tomorrow on Twitter, and I'm gonna ask you: Does Casey need to toughen up and deal with the cold? And we're gonna see the results. Wait, what am I gonna lose this time? Nothing. There's no. You're gonna force me to waffle at a Purdue football no, game. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make we're gonna make you go to a to an IHOP this time. And then we'll go from there. So I don't know uh, if IHOP has waffles. I assume they do. I mean, I they gotta have. I don't, I don't know. I, I I'd yeah. have to look at the menu. But uh, so before we get too sidetracked here, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about Purdue's game against Northwestern and make our predictions. So we will be right back with you. And we are back. And Casey was nice enough to remind me during the break to mention that. In addition to the Purdue-North Carolina game on Saturday, since this is the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament, Purdue has a second game that will take place on Sunday. Uh, We don't know the time yet. It depends on the outcome. It's either going to be at 1 or 3.30, where Purdue will take on either Villanova or Tennessee. Villanova currently ranked number 5, Tennessee currently ranked number 17. So no matter what happens this weekend, Purdue's going to have two quality opponents they face. Uh, Regardless of if they win the game against North Carolina, we're still going to play another quality opponent so it should give us a good idea of what this Purdue team is capable of after these first three games against teams that I mean quite quite frankly we can admit we're never going to really give Purdue much of a challenge so uh, it should be an interesting weekend and come Monday we'll probably have a much better idea of what this Purdue team is going to be capable of in this season that we think could be a really special season so yay basketball there you go yay basketball Uh, and now we're going to move on we're going to look at the Wildcat Classic that's going to take place for some godforsaken reason in a baseball stadium at Wrigley Field. Um, Casey, your have you continuous ever been... fight against stadium. Just look, I have not. It's just playing a football game in a baseball stadium is stupid. What did you I think know, about when they did the hockey stuff outside? I mean, I guess that's fine because hockey is normal. Like at least you can fit a hockey rink in a stadium without having all sorts of weird problems like they did at Wrigley the first time they had a football game and only had one end zone. What? Yeah, remember, I forget no. what year it was. They, they, the first g- football game they played at Wrigley, because of the, it was like pre-renovations to Wrigley, they only had enough room to like play toward one end zone because it like ran like right up against the wall or right into the corner. I can't remember the exact details, but so every scoring drive had to go in one direction. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You don't qualify for hosting <laughs> a football game. Right. But and, that's not and, the problem anymore. No, they've done renovations since then and, and they're you know, they can play a normal uh two end zone football game now, but that's I, I just still think it's dumb. I mean but have you, you also, ever been to Wrigley? You think Wrigley's dumb as like a baseball student too though, right? Yeah. Have you well yes, have I've you been, been to Wrigley? Yeah. It 
I went pre-renovations in fairness, so I have not been since they did the most recent changes. Uh, but when I went there, I mean, it just smelled like urine all over. It's a complete dump of a stadium at the time. Uh, I mean, I'm not a Cubs fan. I'm a Reds fan. <laughs> so uh, I had no vested interest in watching a Cubs game, but it's one of those. Uh, I went with my brother, and it's it's you know this historic stadium that everybody says you need to go to, and as far as the stadium goes, I mean, I guess it was fine. But, I mean, it literally did smell like urine everywhere I went in that stadium. It's big city uh, living, Ledman. I mean, at my seat, smelled like urine. Uh, Whose fault is that? <laughs> right. In the concourse, smelled like urine. I mean, I'm just – I was not impressed. And, <laughs> and perhaps it's better when they did the renovations. Mm. I can't say for sure. I'm sure we're going to have Cubs fans come after me. I, I honestly don't care. You're Cubs fans. I'm a Reds fan. It happens all the time. Uh, you should have started that whole thing off by saying you're a Reds fan to start to soften everything you said. Because I think there are going to be some people that were legitimate mad after your sentence. <laughs> I honestly do not care. I, I could not imagine something that I care less about. <sighs> uh, so, you know, come after me if you must. So looking at Northwestern, uh, Casey, is there anything you can tell me about them uh, on offense or defense? They're bad. That really- they really they're bad, Ledman. Ledman, they're bad. I feel like you've had the we've had this exact conversation with other teams before, and I need more depth from you. I need I, a little something more. Right. They are the Chicago stuff, the Chicago Cubs piss smell of Big Ten football. Oh, that's not well. They are Chicago's Big Ten team if you listen yeah. to all their marketing. So they're not good on offense or defense. That seems bad. Those are the two major uh, components yeah. of a football team. You know, special teams is important, but it's not one of the two major components. So. You know, we always they're scoring 16 points a game. Not great. Uh, they are they are converting on 35 percent of their third downs. They are scoring a touchdown on 65 percent of their possessions in the red zone. They are not a particularly efficient running team. Uh, they complete about 50.4 percent of their passes. And uh, the, the the one thing they do is they semi they have a semi decent offensive line. They always have pretty good offensive linemen and. Mm-hmm. They've protected their quarterback, but unfortunately their quarterback's bad, so they're just giving them more time to be bad. <laughs> and make mistakes. Yeah. And their, and their defense, this is the shocking part because Northwestern had terrific defense last year. Um, it's definitely better. Uh, they've been pretty good against the pass, which is a little alarming. They have a top 40 pass. It's probably closer to top 30, um, only giving up 200 yards a game, which is pretty good. But they, they are getting absolutely slaughtered on the ground, 5.8 yards a carry. So you, you could argue that they're bad in the right places for Purdue because we're not going to run on it. I highly doubt it. We have I mean, we're, to... I'm, I'm sure we'll run to a degree, but obviously it's not going to be the focus of the offense. Brom seems intent on putting enough run plays in there to make the defense be honest and respect the run to a degree. But it's certainly if, not going to be where Purdue's going to score their points. If by degree you mean a number that is calcul- <laughs> calculable, ugh. a number then yes, that is correct. He will run a certain amount of times. I just don't know if we're ever going to be that efficient. If we are, this seems like it would be a decent Horvath game. I feel like anytime he's had success, it's with teams that have struggled against the run, that he can get a little bit of a lane, get some forward progress, and let us use his uh, big body to push forward. But I've been very impressed by our pass game the last you know three weeks. So I would assume if we're going to be effective against Ohio State, we probably can still get through uh, Northwestern. They're not their secondary is talented, but they don't really get after the quarterback very much. They're 98th best in sack percent. AOC should have some time. David Bell has chewed up 
he is on a string of big games right now. So I would say everything is pointing in the favor of Purdue, but this could definitely be a game where you have to worry about is AOC's turnovers. Yeah, you, th- Three those, games are kind of, That's those are always kind of lo- looming in the background uh, because it has been such a problem for him in the past. But like you said, three games in a row without one, and we, we kind of are hoping that he's turned a corner. Obviously, no quarterback is going to be perfect, so he may throw one here or there. But you can certainly excuse that if he plays like he has in previous games, you know, completing 40 of 50 or so passes and three to four touchdowns a game. If he throws a pick here or there, you can live with that. So when we're looking at what Purdue has an opportunity to do in this game, this they currently sit, you know, with six wins. This would be the first time since 2007, if they win, that Purdue has won seven uh, games in a regular season, which is a horribly depressing stat. But it's also show it also shows the improvement that this team has suddenly you know had this year, um, and and Purdue actually hasn't won eight games in a regular season since the prior year 2006. So I mean it it really could change what people think of when they think of Purdue football if we continue to win these games. And Purdue will be favored in these next two games against Northwestern and against Indiana. Um, Northwestern, I don't believe we said this, currently sits at 3-7 and seven on the season, just 1-6 and six in conference, which is so strange. I mean, I know in college football, you have so much turnover from season to season. Players graduate, players leave, transfer portal so huge now. But, you know, last season, Northwestern was 7-2 and two and played in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, of course, they got defeated by Ohio State there. As most people do in the Big Ten Championship game, but to go from seven and two to sit at three and seven and already uh, out of bowl eligibility contention is just such a change from last year. Um, it it really was unexpected for me from Northwestern because under Fitzgerald they've been just so consistent. Yeah, they've really struggled to fight a quarterback, and you can only go so far and hold things together for so long if you don't have an offense that can make plays and someone under center that can you know, attack defenses. Generally, you know, his lines on both sides of the ball are good. His defense plays fast and smart. So it's definitely a little shocking. Um, But right now it's trending in our favor for sure. I will say that beating by Ohio State, our defense coming into that, you know, top 20 pretty much in most stats. We ain't top 20 no more. Well, no, playing Ohio State will do that to you. So, um, you know, before before play angry. Let's hope. Yeah, let's hope they, you know, play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after that last game. All right, Casey. So now I think it's time to talk about what we actually expect to happen, what we're going to pick, who's going to win the game. But before we do that, we'll take a look back at what we chose last week. So heading into last week, I was sitting at four and five. Uh, I picked against our beloved Boilermakers. I said 35 to 21. Obviously, I was, you know, a little off on what I, what Ohio State was going to score, but I was correct in the outcome. So I now sit at five and five on the season. Uh, you, you may recall, went full homer uh, and basically said, "Let's go, uh, Ohio State's going to win or Ohio State's going to go down." Uh, you picked Purdue Never thirty. Happened. It did. I have it in writing, and you can listen to it in audio format. Uh, you picked Purdue 32, Ohio State 29. You were six and three heading into that game. You now sit at six and four. So I am just one game behind you, uh, just nipping at your heels. But uh, I think we might be uh, we might be on the same page this week. So I, I'm not sure if I have a real chance to catch up to you. But I will let you go first, as we do every week. What do you think is going to happen? Who is going to win in the coveted Wildcat Classic? Uh, 
I hope they have some sort of wildcat trophy they give out. They, I don't think they do, but it'd be great if they just had a little Willie the wildcat uh, and the winner gets it. That'd be great. I would just want like a paw. Just a paw, okay. Wildcat paw. Um, yeah, I think Purdue's going to win. Uh, if I'm going to pick him against Ohio State, I'm probably going to pick him against Trash Team. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, I really like our offense. I think we're starting to – we're staying aggressive. We're running at the right times, and we are using our weapons finally in ways that are unique, uh, aggressive, that are putting defenses in bad spots. That touchdown to Anthrop early against Ohio State was a beautiful play design, forcing the safety to guard pretty much three defenders in the end zone. And we're doing stuff like that pretty much every week. AOC is on fire, not making mistakes. So let's go. It's going to be windy. Probably They're going to probably run the ball quite a bit just to uh, take advantage of Northwestern's weakness on that side of the ball. I'm going to go 37 uh, Northwestern 18. All right. Well, it should be windy. It is the windy city. So I don't think that would be too surprising if it is windy in Chicago. Uh, for me, I think I, I mostly agree with everything you said. I think the emergence of Jackson Anthrop on this team has really changed what the offense can do. They've just been throwing him all around the field, using him on trick plays, using him in the backfield uh, as a as a running back. Can putting he come him back out. next year, too? No, he cannot. This, I believe, is his last year. Uh, I believe he's going to be shortly. He'll be 45 years old. Okay. So so it's the last season for him, and he is also the last Anthrop. So there are no more Anthrops walking through that door. Yeah, we got to wait for the next generation, but for now, we've had them all, and uh, there's no more coming through the door anytime soon. So uh, I think, as you said, the offense has just been so much better, so much more creative, and AOC is really clicking. David Bell has continued to be phenomenal with his string of games of over 100 yards, you know, with a couple in the 200 range. So I think Purdue has really found something. And I hope that the crowd at Northwestern at well at Wrigley is going to be pretty pro Purdue. There's a large contingent of Purdue fans in the Chicagoland area. And given that Northwestern it has been very bad this year. I'm hoping that maybe the crowd can be a little more pro Purdue than it would be at a home game for Northwestern. So hopefully that can carry Purdue over the finish line, help them to their seventh win uh, in the regular season. As I said, for the first time since 2007, Who I, am gonna, it? I know I not know. me, not me, not me. It's like that, uh, that Paul Rudd clip you always see from his appearance on hot ones. Who would have thought? Not me, not me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick, Purdue 45, Northwestern 21. So I think Purdue will win handily. I think it's going to be fun, and I think it'll springboard Purdue into the final week of the season, coming home to hopefully reclaim the old oaken bucket. So you know you're going li- to lose to me by one, right? I know, I know. I mean, maybe, maybe we'll we can pick again for the bowl game, and we'll see if nah. we go to routes there. Uh, but it, it seems un, unlikely that there's a way for me to catch up. You can always uh, pick uh, Indiana next week. I, I could, or I could pick Northwestern this week. Um, but I, I just, you know, I'm trying to get to bowl eligibility here. <laughs> it's it's not all about beating you. So I just want to make sure I can get to the, to the Motor City Bowl uh, should things go wrong for me. So I got to get that sixth win. Next season we'll have, a, we'll have rewards for when you hit certain win okay. totals. <laughs> all right. So we're just playing the scoreboard, too. Okay. All right. That'd be good. That'd be good. Um, all right. Well, I think 
that is all we've got. We're looking forward to a pretty great Purdue Sports Weekend. Uh, we got one ba- uh, one football game, two basketball games. Both basketball games going to be against ranked opponents. So, you know, this is when basketball season really starts to feel real. Uh, we get to see real opponents, get to see some hopefully some really good games, and Purdue taking out two quality opponents, which would really set them up. Uh, for some some great seeding come NCAA tournament time because really for for this Purdue team it's not a question of if they're going to make the NCAA tournament it's if it's what seed they can get and it's how how far oh yeah that was how the far they can go. Looking. well you know I I got lost in the middle there uh, <laughs> there's just you know uh, the my basement that where I record is a mess there are toys everywhere and I'm just looking at the mess and thinking I should clean this up but I'm not going to. No. I'm not going to because I have a toddler and there's really no point. He'll just make a mess of it tomorrow. So, uh, all right. Well, we got a little off track there at the end, but that's all right. Uh, for Casey and myself, thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure to subscribe, like, rate, review. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. And uh, let's go, Boilers. I want to hear Casey give us a yell uh, on our way out, Dave Shondell style. Boiler up. How about them Boilers? Love it. Absolutely perfect. There we go. All right. All right. Make sure to take out that random pause in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. All right. right. Demon.